Welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Happy New Year. What are you looking forward to in this new year? If you're like a lot of people, maybe you're just happy to be out of 2020. But a lot of folks are making plans and setting goals to accomplish in 2021. Today, Pastor Nicole is going to share one specific way we can grow spiritually this year and lay out a special challenge for all of us as well. So let's get started today. Here's Pastor Nicole. It's the first Sunday of 2021, and I think we're all looking forward to a clean slate and a fresh start. Anybody out there? Maybe you've made some resolutions. Maybe you've made some goals for this year. I hope if you were here last week, you took Pastor Quinn's advice uh, to just evaluate the things that worked in your life in 2020 and the things that didn't and ask God what to do differently as in the coming year. Uh, maybe you're making goals for fitness that COVID-19 pounds. Uh, Maybe you're making goals financially, maybe education. Maybe you're dreaming about a vacation destination. You know, it's okay to dream even if you don't go. You can make a goal of what could be. Um, I want to remind you as you're thinking through all of those things to not neglect your spiritual goals. You're made of mind, you're made of body, and you're made of spirit. And so even if you make some great and awesome accomplishments this coming year in the mind, in the body part, you need to make sure that you're looking forward to the spirit part of who you are. And so we're all on this journey on our way to heaven. And you know, if you're not moving forward spiritually, um, then you're falling backwards. There's no neutral. And so we, there's just too much riding against us that if we are not moving forward with passion and fervor, then we are sliding back. And so I really wanna encourage you to do that. And so one of the things I personally want to do, and I wanna challenge each of you to do with me uh, this year, it's simple, but I really want you, uh, I wanna tell you today, it's gonna be really life-changing, is to make a goal in 2021 to read your Bible more. Okay, to read your Bible more. So in 2021, Read your Bible more than you read it in 2020. Now, for some of us, that won't take much, okay? Because maybe you didn't read it much in 2020, or maybe you heard about it on Sundays, but then it was hard for you to engage through the week. But for some of you, that will be increasing from every morning to every morning and evening, or every time you eat lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whatever that looks like. I want you to never settle for the amount that you're reading the word and commit to more, okay? So we created a tool for you. Now, there's lots of tools out there, but we created one in case, you know, you'd like to do it with us. It looks like this. It's right in your pew rack. So please put those. um, They're bookmarks. You can put them in your Bible or wherever fits for you. You can also download it if you're watching um, from home today at eriefirst.org slash Bible reading. We want to make sure you can be involved too. And this gives you a Bible reading plan for every day in January, starting today. And then every month we will update these in your P-Rack so you can have one for every month of 2021. And you can read the entire Bible in one year's time with this, okay? And so you will get a new bookmark every month and together as a church family, we can read the Bible cover to cover. Isn't that exciting? Um, So maybe you've never done this before. Maybe you've read the Bible all the way through before. Uh, Whatever the case is, this is your year. Okay, maybe you're thinking, uh, Pastor Nicole, I don't really like to read. Ever since I graduated from school, I just don't really like to read. Let me tell you what, trust me, this book will be far more transforming than any other book that you could choose. So push through, take the challenge, 
I double dog dare you, okay? Whatever it takes, we can do this together. We can do it as a church family. We have lots of things planned to encourage you along the way. Um, and we will make sure that together through this year, we can read God's word. So as I give you this challenge this morning, I wanna walk you through two really important questions that you really need to settle before you take on really any goal. So any goal that you're thinking about in 2021, particularly this goal, I'm, I'm talking about reading the Bible more. These are two questions you really need to settle if you're gonna follow through with any goal. And the two questions are why and how, right? Why and how? Because if you don't know why you're doing something, you'll never follow through on it. And if you don't know how to do it, you can't accomplish it. Okay, so why and how are the two questions we're gonna answer uh, this morning as we are talking about reading the Bible more. So first, why read the Bible more? Why should you accept this challenge that I'm putting before you? Well, first start, Paul, who's the writer of most of the New Testament, tells us that it's useful. Okay, the Bible is useful. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says this, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the person of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Excuse me. So reading the Bible has a purpose. Reading the Bible has a purpose. It teaches us what's right. It corrects what we have wrong. It trains our behavior. It trains our character. It helps us be the people that God intends for us to be. And you know, the Bible tells us the truth all the time. Isn't that relieving? I feel like in this season, I am trying to read from so many different news sources just so I can try to dig out what the actual truth is. The Bible always tells you the truth. No matter what you see around you, no matter what uh, circumstances or situations are around you, the Bible tells you the truth about God, the Bible tells you the truth about man, the truth about the world around us, and the truth about the world to come. And as you know, there's victory, right? There's victory coming, even if it doesn't feel like it from right now where we sit. So no other reading material on the planet can have as much accuracy and usefulness as the word of God. Now, sometimes I think we shy away from reading the Bible more because we don't think we can understand it. Or maybe it feels difficult or it feels hard to plow through at times. Uh, there are some passages in scripture like the genealogies. Have you ever read those? She beget, she beget, she was, he was, grandpa was, uncle was, okay. There's also um, this little book called Leviticus that gives you all these laws of the temple and what's, who's boiling blood and what and what's going on. And I'll be honest, sometimes when you're reading that, you may think to yourself, how is this useful? <laughs> like, how is this part useful to me in the, the 21st century that I live in? Well, the verse in 2 Timothy says that the word of God makes us equipped, or another translation reads, the word of God makes us complete in every good work. So as you read the word of God, it seeps into your thinking, okay? It transforms how you feel. It transforms how you look at the world. It shows, uh, it renews your mind. And we start thinking like God thinks. 
Okay, there is a spiritual blessing and, and a spiritual work that happens when we read the Bible and we let God speak to us through it. And that work goes beyond our intellectual understanding. It goes beyond our physical understanding. The word of God is supernatural. It's not natural. And so when we can't quite understand why this part is useful, the word of God is doing something different inside of us. It's speaking to our spirit. And so because of the spiritual level on which the word of God operates, we don't have to understand it all for it to effectively work in our lives, okay? And so many people get discouraged because they say, well, when I read the Bible, I just don't feel like I'm getting a lot out of it, or maybe they give up, or maybe they uh, read the Bible and they think, wow, that was not like this amazing, you know, parent, supernatural experience that I expected. And what I want to tell you about the word of God is this. We have to work to understand the Bible the best we can. We need to read it thoughtfully and carefully. And there's so much research and resources out there and tools for us to use. But the truth is this. Reading the Bible benefits us spiritually even when we don't understand it all intellectually. It benefits your soul, even if you don't understand it all intellectually. I read this story once. A critic wrote a letter to a magazine, and he said, over the years, I've gone to church more than a thousand times, and I can't remember the specific content of very many of those sermons over the years. What good was it to go to church for a thousand times? And someone wrote this back. Over the past many years, I've eaten more than a thousand meals prepared by my wife, I cannot remember the specific menu of many of those meals, but they nourished me along the way, and without them, I would not be alive today. And I thought that was such a good analogy because here's the thing. The Bible will do its spiritual work in us if we let it in. If we let it in, the Bible is useful. It's useful. Even the parts that you're not sure exactly what they mean or why they're in there, it's useful. Okay, so next... We need to read the Bible more because the Bible is our weapon against the enemy. Our Bible is the weapon against the enemy. When you become a child of God, you gain an enemy that you didn't have before. And after you have decided to live your life for Jesus, Satan's goal is to foul it up. That's his goal. He wants to steal all the faith that's inside of you. And so the good news is this. The bad news is you get an enemy when you become a child of God. Here's the good news, and it's better than the bad news. The good news is God has already supplied the protection you need to ward off any and every attack in the spiritual realm. You have everything you already need. I want to read a little bit from Ephesians 6 that talks about this. Um, And so Ephesians 6 says, 12, it says, For our struggle flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, Neil Anderson is an author, and this is how he describes spiritual warfare. I want you just to imagine this. Imagine that you are standing at one end of a long, narrow street, and it's lined with two-story houses on both sides, And at the other end of the street is Jesus Christ. And your Christian life is the process of walking down that long street of maturity with him. That is your your goal. That is your, your life. That's your path. There's absolutely nothing in that street that will keep you from reaching Jesus. When you receive Christ, you fix your eyes on him and you start walking. But since the world we live in 
is still under sin. It's still under the curse of sin and the dominion of Satan. The row houses on either side are inhabited by beings that are committed to keeping you from reaching your goal. Now listen, they have no power or authority to block your path. They can't even slow your step. You are completely covered by the blood of Jesus. But so this is what they do. They hang out the windows and they call to you. And they, and they, and they taunt you and they try to tell you things that aren't true. And if they can get your attention so that you look up and you stop moving, and you maybe you sit down in the middle of the road and you give up because they're yelling things at you that are hurting you, that, that are trying to feel like you don't understand and stop your growth. They they try to disrupt your progress. They try to get you to quit. That is what these beings are doing. They're yelling out of the houses. This is a picture of spiritual warfare. So how do we survive? How do we make it all the way down the road into Jesus's arms? Well, Ephesians 6:13 tells us this. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Now this verse tells us we have everything we need. Jesus isn't leaving us out there to figure it out on our own. He gives us everything we need and when these moments happen, we are equipped with all authority and protection. However, our role is not passive. God, God wants us to be active participants in the spiritual defense that he has provided for us. And the enemy is a bully. Satan is a bully. But you know what? This is how you get rid of a bully. You confront him with the truth. <laughs> and, then, and then the only way to confront the enemy is in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you what, those doors are locked. Those beings cannot even get out of those houses to come to get you because Jesus has locked that with his blood. And so you are safe, you are protected, but you have to keep going and believe those things about what God told you so that they don't get you discouraged and defeated. So the scripture talks about how do we show up for the fight then? How do we win this spiritual battle? How do we successfully walk down this narrow road? Ephesians 6, 14 through 17 says, says it. Uh, it says this, stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So when we put on the belt, the breastplate, the boots, the shield, the helmet, do you know what I love about this, this uh, example in the scripture is this. No matter if the attack comes from the sky, the ground, the right, the left, the front, the back, guess what? You're covered. You're completely covered. There is victory in that. And so verse 17, I love it, talks about what is the sword of the spirit? It's the word of God. This is actually the only weapon that's listed in this passage that's offensive, it's the thing that we can actually fight with. The other, the other things that they described keep us from, from uh, being attacked, but this is something that we use, the soldier uses, to strike his enemy. And so imagine a gladiator or a soldier. I brought a picture today just to remind you maybe of what a gladiator looks like. Now, gladiators practice their moves and their positions and their sword thrusts, okay? They practice them relentlessly, and a superior fighter has a great fighting instinct. At the time of battle, they instantly recall which thrust, which position suits the precise moment. But the gladiator will never be able to use the thrust in the fight 
if he has not first practiced it. And this is why we read the Bible. Imagine it's like you, you have a, you're the gladiator and you have the sword and you are practicing how to fight the enemy when you read the scripture so that when the time comes, you are ready. Our three daughters uh, go to school here at Erie First Assembly and um, they all, one of the things that they learn is they memorize scripture. And we love that for them. We love that for the spiritual benefit of that. And our daughter who's in kindergarten, she's five, um, was learning Joshua 1.8, which is be strong and courageous, don't be afraid. And we were practicing it with her so she could get her grade, you know, and all the things. And several months later, there was a terrible storm in the middle of the night. And as you know, where do kids end up in the middle of the night? In your bed, okay? And so Mercy comes running in to put her pad over her feet, and she dives in between us. And Joel and I are cuddling her. And then all of a sudden, I hear her little voice. Joshua 1.8, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. <laughs> and as, as sad as I was that she was so afraid of that storm, that moment made me think this is exactly what God wants us to do with the sword of the Spirit is that when fear overtook her, she knew exactly what to do. The Holy Spirit brought that scripture right to her heart and she declared it over that situation. And if my kindergartner can do it, we can do it. We can do it too. So this morning, where do you feel like you're losing ground? What part of your life are you anxious? Where are you scared? Where are you overwhelmed? What part of 2021 feels like you're under-resourced or you're not sure what to do or you're facing some type of impossible situation? Listen, God has equipped you for that. God has equipped you for that battle. He has given you all you need to fight to win, but you have to pick up the weapon that he's given you. And it's the sword of the spirit. It's the word of God. I have so many more things I could say, but let me give you a few, a few cliff note reasons of why to read the Bible. And in the first service, I reminded them it's okay to get excited during this part. Um, so the Bible, so not only is the Bible useful, it's a weapon against our enemy. Uh, it helps us know who God is. It helps us discover our next steps. It, it helps us, keep, it keeps us from sin. It, it makes us fruitful. The Bible gives us courage, gives us hope for yesterday, today, and forever. The word of God helps us hear God's voice clearer. And the word of God is full of promises that God will never, ever, ever break. Aren't you thankful? Just give God some praise this morning for that. He's so good. All right, so how? Here's the next question, how? How do you do it? Well, before I look at some positive strategies, I wanna start with maybe some not so helpful habits that sometimes we acquire as Christians. Um, and I think these habits actually work against what the Bible is supposed to do. Um, the two I'm gonna talk about today come from uh, the book, The Blue Parakeet by Scott McKnight. It's an awesome book if you're looking for some reading for the new year. But the first is this. Avoid reading the Bible like a rule book. Avoid reading the Bible like a rule book. The scripture does contain rules for living as God's people, but it is far, far more than that. In fact, we get 50 chapters of Genesis and 19 chapters of Exodus before there's even a list of rules. And so for us to look at it as primarily a rule book would be an error. The most fundamental problem about reading the Bible uh, primarily as a rule book is we forget the context of the rules. 
They're meant to, to help us live out um, this big story that God has written where he graciously rescued his people. It, they're meant to take place in relationship with God. We're meant to, to do the things God asks us to do because we love him, not because we feel like we have to follow a list of do's and don'ts. It, it is not anything like the hundreds of pages of terms and conditions for iTunes. Okay, I'm just gonna wait for you to laugh now. That's my strategy. When we view it that way, it leads to legalism. It leads to rebellion. And, and it might even lead to judgmentalism, where we start reading it and we start thinking, you know, I'm not doing too bad. I mean, better than these other people. And we start to feel a little smug. And you know what? That's what happened in Jesus' day. The Pharisees began to read the scripture like a rule book, and they decided they were doing pretty good. And then they lost the understanding of the cross. And they lost the understanding of God's great grace for us. And so the Bible, although it contains rules to follow, was never intended to just be a rule book. So don't read it like that. All right, second, avoid using the Bible like a desk calendar. Okay, so the second unhelpful way of reading the Bible is just to see it as a great source for quotes on greeting cards or uh, memes or, or you know, things you hang on. Now, now, it doesn't mean that scripture can't be in your calendar or around your house, but the Bible is not a set of isolated sayings. When we pluck out a verse out of context, the meaning often gets very lost. And, and you know, the verses that we often choose to pull out of scripture are not the ones about judgment or warning. They're usually the blessings, right? The, the promises, the provisions, the feel-good verses. Now, these verses are true, don't get me wrong, but these promises have context. And it's so important to understand, or to be honest, you begin to get disappointed in God because you didn't understand that that promise came with something you had to do. <laughs> That promise came with something that God was asking you to do. So let me give you a classic example. And I'm sorry in advance if I'm going to pick on your favorite verse. You may have this like tattooed on your body or in every journal you've ever seen. But Jeremiah 29, 11, awesome verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Awesome verse. Gives us hope, gives us confidence, who doesn't want prosperity and no harm in their life? They, yeah, of course. But here's the problem. That verse actually wasn't written specifically to you or to me. It was written to, it's not a general promise. It's a specific word to a specific people in a specific situation. It was a promise to the people of Israel who had been exiled to Babylon and facing the possibility of being wiped out. And so if you're in Babylon and you're about to be exiled, and it's your favorite verse, okay. <laughs> but if you, some of you, most of us who've never been exiled in Babylon, um, we cannot necessarily take this verse and, and apply it to every area of our life. Now, don't get me wrong. This verse, the whole passage applies to us in this way. We are part of the bigger story. Okay, God is going to win. God is going to bring prosperity at the end of the day. He is going to do that. He cares for his people. We're part of his people. But the promise that you will always prosper and you'll never be physically harmed 
was not a promise uh, for, for everyone all the time. It was for a specific time in Israel's history. Even Israel couldn't apply that to themselves at all subsequent points in history. Do you see what I'm saying? So here's the thing. When we just pick out a desk calendar quote, and that's the only Bible that we try to read, or that's the only Bible we try to understand, it's like we're feeding on sugar, and, and we're just eating the sugar, and it tastes good at the time. But if that's all we eat, we end up with spiritual diabetes. <laughs> okay, we, we don't understand the goodness of God. In John, it says, you know what? In this world, you're going to have trouble, but I have overcome the world, okay? There are still promises in there, but what we have to understand is the context of those promises so that we can eat the word of God and stand strong on it. Okay, And that's why we can't just read the Bible and pick and choose the good parts and try to figure out the things that we want to understand and apply for. I also love Jeremiah 29, 11, so just so you know. But it's just important to understand the context of what's happening there. Okay, so those are some unhealthy ways to look at the Bible. Here's some helpful ways I want to end today to approach your Bible reading. If you got that bright orange flyer when you came in, you can write these down. If not, you can catch it later on the podcast. But here's the first one. Come to scripture prayerfully. Now, before we read and study the scripture, we have to pray that the Holy Spirit would teach us. Even the best Bible teacher in the whole world cannot unpack and show us the revelation of the word of God. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And so when you're about to read the the Bible, what you need to do is say, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you show me? Would you show me the interpretation of scripture? And what's fascinating, I know this has happened to many of you, is sometimes you can read the same scripture verse at a different time in your life and God shows you a whole new thing, doesn't he? And so the Holy Spirit brings the freshness that you need. Second, come to the scripture in community. And that's what you're doing right now, so bravo. But the thing that God wants us to do is he exists in community, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we're made in his image and his likeness. And the community together, we can understand the scriptures together. And so nothing replaces being with God's people in relationship and gathering around the scripture. The third thing, come to scripture attentively. Romans 10, 17 talks about hearing the scripture. It says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And so it's important to listen, to be attentive to the scripture. Read the scripture to the children in your life. Read it with your spouse if you're married. Listen to it on the treadmill or when you're cooking dinner. Uh, Have the scripture be part of your week as you're listening to it. Number four, come to the scripture humbly. You know, the best way to come to the scriptures, humbly bowing our heads and saying, God, I want to hear what you have to say. Show me my beliefs and my desires and my opinions. Conform them to your word. Uh, Mark Twain once said this, it ain't the parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me, it's the parts that I do understand. (laughs) You know, sometimes the cause of poor Bible interpretation has little to do with not understanding what the scripture says. It's more about that we don't like it. We don't like it, it's inconvenient. It's not what fits inside of what we want to do or to change and we suppress the truth. And so when we come to the scripture humbly and saying, God, just teach me, even if I don't like it, just help me understand, that puts us in a mindset to be able to change. Number five, come to the scripture devotedly. 
memorize the word. When we do that, it can be in our hearts so that it can come at just the right time to people that need counsel, to you when you're afraid, like what happened to my daughter, to us when we're when things are happening. You know, so often uh, hardships or attacks, they come out of nowhere, right? You don't get like a 30-day notice. Next month's gonna be really hard, so prepare. You know, it's just all of a sudden, comes out of nowhere, no one expects it. And so when you hide the word of God in your heart, it's like you're living ready. You're living ready. God will do it, things will happen, but God will help you live ready. Number six, come to scripture for life transformation. You know, it's not just mental information. It's about what the word of God can do to you. It can change who you are. And number eight, oh, number seven, that doesn't matter. Come to scripture for connection, for connection. You know, when we read scripture, we are reminded of who God is, of what he's done for us in Christ and how our story can now find its place within a bigger story. And it reminds us who we are in light of who he is. And you know, over time, as a preacher, I have learned to accept this. You're gonna forget what I say. You're gonna forget probably most of the sermons that you hear in your life. You might not even remember what you read last night as your eyes are getting heavy and you're reading the scripture and you drift off to sleep. But let me tell you something, the word of God transforms you. It changes you. It's like eating a thousand meals that you can't remember, but you're strong. And so our attitudes and our behavior are changing us. Do not forget the word of God changes you. So get yourself in the word, hear the scripture, do everything you need to do because each day, each week, we will build connection. If you wanna know God more, get in his word because as you hang out with God and you hang out with his story, that connection between you and Jesus grows. So as we build our lives on the word of God, we're gonna be transformed, we're gonna be renewed, we're gonna be more like Christ, we're gonna live an abundant life. And so I wanna implore you, I wanna encourage you, take the challenge in 2021 to read your Bible more. We can do this, we can do this together and we'll be different, we'll be different this year, even if the whole world stays the same. So would you stand? I wanna close today by worshiping with this song and worshiping with God's good, good word. song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you we live for you 
12 says, For the word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So Jesus, please be living and effective in our hearts and in our lives. God, we pray that you continue to soak so deep in us and that, God, you will judge our intentions and purify our hearts for your glory and for your effectiveness. In your name, Jesus. Colossians 3.16 Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all the wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Heavenly Father, I pray today that the teachings of Jesus will become alive in the heart of every believer. I pray that your words will instruct us, that they will guide us, they will be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Jesus, I pray that our singing will be done with an attitude of praise and thanksgiving unto you. Amen. Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Jesus, only in your word do we find lasting and unfailing solutions to all of our problems and our needs. God, we ask that you remind us daily and convict us to not seek answers from the world, but instead stay focused on you and the truth that your word brings. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Matthew 4, chapter 4 says, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Heavenly Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, to put in us a hunger for your word, God. More than the hunger that we have for physical food that we need for our bodies, God, I pray that we would seek first the kingdom, that we would hunger after your word. Lord, I thank you that you are the bread from heaven, that you satisfy us. We pray that you would make us hunger after the living word of God in Jesus' name. Jeremiah 23, 29 says this, that is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock into pieces. God, we pray this morning that your word would be that spark, that ignition, that igniting power within our body, God. We pray that your word would be an all-consuming fire, Lord, that takes over and then guides us, Lord. And we pray that no boundary, no blockade or of any sort, God, could stand up to the hammer of your word. That, God, as you break through in each one of our areas of our lives, God, that we would let your word be our weapon and that that fire and that that hammer, God, would lead us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Jesus, we just praise you in this space right now. Church, as we sing these words, I'm just reminded, it's just pointed out to me. Holy, there is no one like you. There's none beside you. Open up my eyes. He does that through his word. Show me who you are. He does that through his word. Lead me in your love to those around me. He does that through his word. Let's just purpose as we start this challenge together, as we start this commitment together, let's just grab those bookmarks. Let's follow this reading plan. Let's get into his word like never before in this new year. And let's, let's let him do what this song is saying. Let's let him do what these words are saying. He will reveal himself in new ways. We will know him in new ways and we'll be different. Jesus, we praise you in this space. We thank you for who you are, for your faithfulness and your patience. And you're just always there with open arms. And so we lift you up. You're so good. Amen. Amen, amen. Thanks so much for coming. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. If you'd like to get the Bible reading plan that Pastor Nicole referenced during her message, you can download it at eriefirst.org slash Bible reading. And as always, if you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.